Welcome to SCI Science Perspectives, a podcast brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. In this podcast, we'll be discussing emerging literature spanning the full spectrum of SCI research, from discovery to clinical application. You're listening to a Community Perspective episode with Dr. James Milligan. My name's Marla, and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm David, your other host. Today, we'll be discussing a paper titled, A Primary Care Provider's Guide to Preventative Health After Spinal Cord Injury, which was published in Topics in Spinal Cord Injury Rehabilitation in 2020. The paper was submitted to us by Asia's Primary Care Committee. Today, our guest is Dr. James Milligan. Dr. Milligan is a family care practitioner with the Center for Family Medicine, Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. He is the director of CFFM Mobility Clinic, an interprofessional primary care clinic with a focus to improve primary care for individuals with spinal cord injury and other physical disabilities. The clinic is dedicated to clinical research in SCI and primary care, working closely with the Praxis Spinal Cord Institute and the former Ontario Neurotrauma Foundation. He is an associate clinical professor at McMaster University and adjunct clinical professor at Western University. He is a clinical specialist for mobility in falls within the Schlegel Research Institute for Aging. Welcome, Dr. Milligan. Thanks so much for having me. So Dr. Milligan, say I am a person that just had a new traumatic, you know, new traumatic spinal cord injury. I'm being discharged from rehabilitation and Either, you know, maybe I was a young, healthy guy before I started, you know, before I had the injury, maybe didn't have a primary care doc or I'm trying to establish care with a new primary care doc or update the one that I had before. How do you recommend that this person with a new spinal cord injury go about establishing care with their primary physician and any questions that you recommend, you know, that they discuss with their provider, you know, at that first visit, just to make sure that everyone's on the same page as they move forward with their care. You know, it could be a situation where they do have an existing relationship prior to their injury and their family may be a part of that practice as well. And that's really important. So that relationship part of things is very, very important. And that's a hallmark or cornerstone of primary care. So that's always nice if they've always already had that. It's kind of a friendly face. And what I would suggest then is that when you contact, usually if you, if you know the primary care provider that you've been associated with, you know what their office is like. And that's going to be a, a big thing, right? Just from the physical accessibility thing is, you know, if you're now in a wheelchair, will you be able to get into that office from what you recall and that sort of thing? So I think... I would generally tell people to contact the office. If you don't think that you would be able to get in there, then, you know, many physicians do appointments either virtually, either through video or telephone these days. So that might be a good starting point. And it would also be just, you know, talking about, you know, what has occurred, you know, mainly in rehab, where you're at now in terms of mobility and, and also, you know, secondary conditions, you know, where you are emotionally, I think is super important. And the whole adjustment back to the community is just a big transition and, and is, is going to end up being where you spend the majority of your life is now in the community. So it's about establishing that relationship. So, so important. And then I, I think it's really important to express the kinds of fears and needs that you can foresee having, whether it be getting into the office as an issue, whether it be, 
you know, pain or, or anything else. It's just starting to lay out a bit of that stuff and understanding that that won't occur over one appointment by any means. That's going to be, have to be something that, that develops. Now, if you didn't have a family physician, hopefully you can find one because what we know is that that is key. And I'm talking from the viewpoint of a family physician, but globally, care is being more and more done in the community, in the family practice setting. It's all typically being downloaded from hospitals to that area. And that makes sense because again, that's where people spend most of their time. So the resources are being sent there. So hopefully if you can find a family doctor, in some cases, that's a hard thing to do. And if it's a new relationship, then I, I think it's just the same type of thing as reaching out to them initially, seeing what accessibility looks like. I think it's a fair question to ask any family physician their knowledge of spinal cord injury, not in an intimidating way, because we sometimes, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I, you know, it sometimes can, you know, maybe put people's backs up a bit, but I, I think it's, it's very reasonable just to, to ask that and, and, and what their knowledge is and, and their comfort level. Uh, and, then, and then that way, everybody's kind of on level footing to begin with. So let's say I have gone through the hurricane after my initial spinal cord injury. I'm lucky enough to have found a primary care physician. And so now my body's changed and I'm thinking about these different ailments I might have. So I'm going to have to come in more. So am I thinking I should come in at a higher frequency or am I thinking I should come in for longer duration visits? It might be both. Um, I think that's the conversation to kind of have with the uh, primary care provider. And it, it makes a bit of a difference to how easy it might be for somebody to come into. So again, if we come back to the physical accessibility and trying to sort that out is if the office really isn't very accessible, then maybe some of this stuff has to be done virtually through telephone or video. And hopefully they would be set up for that or perhaps home visits. It'd probably be unrealistic that the provider will do a lot of home visits, but definitely providers will do some, and especially if it's a more urgent kind of a situation. But I think it really just depends a little bit on how the individual is adjusting, you know, the level of their injury, the number of secondary conditions, how they're doing emotionally. I think I would usually advocate for having more frequent contact if there are questions or concerns. And I would usually also advocate for longer appointments. You know, typically in primary care, we often book appointments like at 10 or 15 minutes for things. You'd have to have that conversation. I mean, for individuals with spinal cord injury, I, I quite commonly book standard appointments for at least 20 minutes. And if they run over that, then that's the way it is. And I, I also let my front office staff know that as well. And I let the patient know that. So I think it is, again, kind of, kind of coming up with some solutions, understanding that it's a complex chronic condition, and it's going to require some flexibility at all ends. And as a team, you know, your, your primary care provider and you and others, you know, hopefully you can get that flexibility and, and achieve these things. Have you employed that flexibility responding to COVID? Absolutely. You know, I, I often say that maybe the only good thing that came out of COVID-19 was the fact that it has, it has accelerated virtual care 
by probably 10 years in, uh, in healthcare uh, in terms of, you know, the ability to correspond with patients now by either phone or video. There was just a lot of barriers often within the healthcare process and the technology itself that, that hampered that. So it became a necessity with COVID and thus it's opened up a brand new avenue to be able to allow patients to reach out to their medical personnel. And it's, of course, no greater benefit than somebody who already has a number of barriers to getting into the office. Have you noticed any impact with the pandemic and mental health, especially with patients living with spinal cord injury and, you know, the isolation, you know, especially when it's more difficult to go out and, you know, we know that COVID-19 affects people with spinal cord injuries, you know, in different ways. And so, you know, can you just talk about maybe some of the impacts on mental health in these people and, and some of the resources or options that they may have or some of the conversation they may be able to have with their primary care provider? I think COVID-19 brought a lot of challenges, certainly the mental health things, as you mentioned, Marla, and and others. You know, COVID-19 was good at really showing, exposing the faults within our system, um, really highlighting those things and, and really how precarious things can be, especially for vulnerable people, of which, you know, individuals with spinal cord injury are probably some of the most vulnerable. You know, they're their health can sometimes be, um, you know, can be up and down and they need a lot of care. And so I initially in COVID-19, I think the biggest issue was confusion about what it was and how it would affect people. And then right away, sort of the lack of attendant care supplies and supports and, you know, that would be available to people with sort of lockdowns and lack of PPE and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, to kind of, add on to that was that, you know, in the initial stages of things, a lot of um, medical offices, including primary care offices were closed. You know, they weren't available for sort of people to kind of get the reassurance or answers that they needed. And, you know, even a long time into the, into the pandemic, some small primary care offices were still closed. That's caused a lot of uncertainty and stress among patients you know where do they turn right like if especially if maybe their support groups weren't that strong to begin with and you know all of a sudden they're having less people come into the house so you know that ended up causing a lot of anxiety we did a study within our clinic and and looked at you know the types of things that were affecting people during the pandemic and and the highest thing by far came to the mental health like stress and the anxiety and um, and the worry and certainly also just a lot of, of strain on caregivers because what was happening is attendant care was sort of dropping off and some of the family members or significant others were having to do care that they didn't do as much and, and this this ended up being a really big issue. I think as things have progressed along and lockdowns and everything has continued that stuff is is only you know, become more heightened in terms of, you know, what we're seeing with that in terms of the anxiety and the isolation. It is interesting though, in in some of the stuff that we did with this study, we did see that initially many individuals with spinal cord injury actually said that the isolation they were used to, 
you know, which is not a great thing. A few said, you know, that didn't matter if it was a pandemic or not. I'm kind of used to this sort of an isolation, which is a bit of a sad commentary on, on maybe we, you know, how we're supporting people. So uh, that really kind of struck me. So, but yeah, I think the mental health has been a problem. I think where there's been some improvements with that has been through some of the virtual care as well. There's been an opportunity to reach out to people in different ways rather than just seeing them in person. I think that's an important point, talking about some of that lack of access to care during the pandemic, especially initially when we were sort of trying to figure out how to keep things open to allow for care. Um, Kind of running off of that and really just talking about some complications as a person with spinal cord injury lives for a long time with their injury. So say, you know, some type of emergent situation comes up, emergent medical situation, and they need to go to the emergency room. Is there any information, any like packet, wristband, something that you recommend that a person with a spinal cord injury bring with them just to make sure that the providers in the emergency room are aware that they have a spinal cord injury and that, you know, their body may be reacting to this in a different way than somebody that doesn't have a spinal cord injury? Yeah, I think that's very important. So a couple of things I sort of think about in, in the emergency situation is that nobody likes to go into the emergency room or hospital and, and more so these days. And, you know, they've obviously been full in many areas and that sort of thing. So one of the things I often tell people even prior to emergency or prior to going to the emergency is really, you know, have a conversation with your primary care provider about what types of urgent and after hours care they often be, offer because many do. And so sometimes I find that patients actually aren't even aware of that you know, that they can call and be seen in an after hours clinic that's associated with their primary care facilities. So that that's really important, number one, because sometimes you can just completely avert the emergency room, which, and we've seen, like we've seen that a lot of emergency room visits are for things that can be handled in primary care, like urinary tract infections and upper respiratory illnesses, like a great number of them can be. So talk to your primary care provider about that. You know, if you're somebody who's had urinary tract infections or such things is how do you work on keeping you out of the emergency room, I think is super important. But there are times when you do have to go to the emergency room. And I, I do believe it's very important that you have a medical history with you, whether you carry that in a, uh, uh, on a piece of paper in your wallet, whether you carry it on your phone, whether you carry it on an app. Super important. Again, spinal cord injury is a complex chronic condition of which many healthcare providers don't know the ins and outs of. So oftentimes you as the individual spinal cord injury, and I know everybody who would listen to this knows that they're often teaching the healthcare providers a thing or two about their, their condition. So it's really important to have that stuff written down. It makes a huge, huge difference. And for sure, you know, the classic one that we always look at is for those individuals who suffer from autonomic dysreflexia, you know, we always hear about the story of them going into eMERGE or their primary care provider, you know, with a pounding headache and their blood pressure being high and sweaty and telling them that they, you know, they, they're having this autonomic crisis that's not resolving. 
and the practitioner looking at them like they're crazy or not believing them and sending them home. So, you know, the wallet cards have always been super valuable that were supplied by the Paralyzed Veterans of America, I believe still are. I mean, we give them out at our clinic to individuals um, or just having that. Because the nice thing now is that if you give that to, to a healthcare provider, it's an actual thing that says it. And if they want to look for more information, it's so easy to Google it now as well and say, oh yeah, okay, well, they're telling me the truth and this is what I need to do. So yeah, definitely having, be, being a caretaker of your own medical history, even if it's a brief kind of rundown, is an absolute must. It is a shame that this burden falls onto the patients themselves, but so it goes sometimes. So let's say I would like to provide my healthcare professionals with some information about spinal cord injury. What are some resources I can direct them to? Well, I, I would love to promote the Asia primary care uh, spinal cord injury resources and, and what we have on that page because it's, it's really geared towards primary care. And there's a lot of good stuff there. So there was, you know, the many articles that we did on, on um, in the topics of spinal cord injury rehabilitation, including the preventive care one that we're talking about right now, but all kinds of articles on accessibility and secondary conditions. And from those, there's also uh, an area that talks about health maintenance and takeaways. So there's some short, little snippets of information that take out of those articles. And that's probably, that's where I would tell individuals to go. And I have told them, I say, look, you know, give your primary care provider this website, have them look at the takeaways in the health maintenance part of it, which is just an easy click there. And it'll sort of give some guidance as to, you know, the types of things that should be covered in terms of your health is, and, and if they want to look into things more, then they can actually go further and a deeper dive within that website as well. And there's all kinds of things on uh, also just on uh, disability awareness and, and many great resources. And it also links to just a, a lot of other excellent resources that the committee drew on to make those articles and to, to build that webpage. And I think we are going to have a section in there at some point where we actually talk about the way in which you bring some of this information to a primary care provider, because I don't think it's an easy thing to do, right? Like, you know, I think you could be intimidated about doing it, or you could, you know, maybe you don't, you're not sure how your family physician may respond to you bringing information, that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a nuance to doing it and we're going to have something up there in the near future to sort of help give an example of how to do that as well. Thanks so much, Dr. Milligan. This, I think this paper is awesome and a great starting point for a lot of not only clinicians, but also people living with a spinal cord injury or people maybe caring for somebody that has a spinal cord injury. One last question, just to sort of wrap things up. If, if we give a, your paper to, you know, someone that's with us in the rehabilitation hospital or someone we're seeing in the outpatient clinic and they read your paper, how would you hope they would use it? How, how would you hope that it would impact them moving forward in their relationship with their physicians? Yeah, I think um, just passing along to the primary care provider, it kind of 
spells out things that primary care should do. So, you know, immunizations, cancer screening, you know, don't forget about these things in people who have spinal cord injury. Not everything is about the spinal cord injury. There's still, you know, people with spinal cord injury are living long lives now. And, you know, we need to, we need to keep them healthy. We need to screen for cancers and give immunizations. But then also it, 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 gives some brief information about the types of secondary conditions that can really cause a lot of dysfunction with individuals with spinal cord injury and how we monitor those, you know, doing ultrasounds of the kidney and bladder every one to two years, just some easy things to kind of follow. So our goal as the Asia Primary Care Spinal Cord Injury uh, Committee is that we want this distributed as to many people as you can, right? To as many primary care providers as, as you can give this to or give the website to and its resources is great. And we really identify that it's very hard to reach the primary care provider population because they often have a million things on their mind and all kinds of things crossing their desk. We actually recognize that it is the individual with spinal cord injury that is probably the most valuable person in bringing information to their primary care provider. And studies have shown that consistently. And, you know, primary care providers want to know things that they don't know, right? That's the thing. Like, oftentimes, it's not that they're trying to do a bad job or anything like that. It's just they don't know what to do. They don't get a lot of training in this stuff. They don't, you know, they don't understand it. So if you can help to educate them and, and be part of that healthcare team and, and move them along, it is so powerful. Thank you so much for being here with us today. This is a great article and a really important conversation. We really appreciate you sharing this with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the first season of SCI Science Perspectives, brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. The paper discussed in this episode was chosen based on the recommendation of Asia's Primary Care Committee. The podcast is made possible by the leadership of Dr. Suzanne Groh, your producer hosts, me, David McMillan, and Marla Pitriello, and Asia's front office. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please contact us at Perspectives Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.